0: In the west coast a lot of people all right <laughs> <laughs> hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of fan fuel motorsports podcast the f- podcast where fans fuel talk about motorsport this is episode 40 i can't believe it. we i can't believe that we've made it this far uh but welcome again to the podcast as always i'm alex harrington i'm joined by nathan Ball. And no, that's not Brett Moffitt. That is Colton Cranmore. He has shaved most of his beard off. And tonight we have a f- special guest. Our fan spotlight will be on Keith Merrick. So welcome to the stream. Keith, how's it going tonight?
1: It's going great, man. Happy to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, we're happy to have you as well. Um, so I just want to go ahead and get right into it. I told you, you know, in our pre-stream prep, what was going to happen. So let's go ahead and get into it. Woke or joke? You understand the rules. Yes, sir. All right, woke or joke? All right, the Truck Series Martinsville cutoff race. Just as a whole, was it woke or was it a
1: joke? That was every bit of joke. I mean, I know the Truck Series has been rough the last few years, but that was just the epitome of just everything all together of drivers pushing a little too hard, the young guns that you know are just going for everything, the veterans that are fed up with it and the point system that has made it so where these drivers, they have to fight for every position more than they should have to. Um, I mean, the format, it's, it's entertaining when it works, but from what I saw, I didn't get to watch much of the race, but it was just, it was just a bunch of crap at the end of it. And it's just, it sucks as a race fan because someone who nonchalantly gets to just watch the sport and see these loaded up race trucks just beat the shit out of each other with no context it's like wow look at these hillbillies and we're just like we're much better than that i know that we are yeah. like I, I know that martinsville it's it's a high heat track when it comes to everybody's tempers but i just i know that nascar is a lot better than that
2: yeah i think i'm piggybacking right off of him there like it's a joke you got people right rearing one another i mean they, were, they interviewed cup drivers on Sunday asking about this, and Truex is like, yeah, this is pathetic. Someone else is like, this is a complete disaster. Even Chase Elliott's like, I don't know what to call it. I mean, like, at what point are they going to stop rewarding that kind of driving? I know it's Martinsville, but like, it's just weird seeing people right rear one another like that.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, the truck series in NASCAR is what people think short track racing is. Like, local racing Saturday nights. Um Even my local track, if you dump someone or if you're involved in an incident, you get sent to the back. Happens twice, you're kicked out. Like You don't get a race that night. I don't know why NASCAR puts up with this at at all tiers, but especially the truck series. It seems to be way worse down there. Um, This race was a complete joke. And that series in in a whole is just, I mean, it's turning into a joke altogether. Um, The veterans have had to kind of stoop to that level of disrespect um, just because NASCAR ain't going to do anything about it. And that's how you have to race in order to earn the points in order to advance in this, you know, gimmicky playoff system. It's I mean, it's sad to see.
0: Yeah, I'm not to agree. I mean, there's not really any more angles that you could uh, come by. The three of you guys haven't already covered. But I mean, obviously, it's a joke that we're racing like this. We saw stuff like this in Knoxville. And, you know, we came on here the episode after the Knoxville Dirt Race. And we, we complained because we were showing our product to the dirt world and it made us look like a bunch of dumb idiots and we're just doing that again with branding ourselves as having a national touring series some of the most elite drivers in you know asphalt racing world that should be on the pathway to cut racing oh well, this is our young our young brood coming up like what are we going to look like in cup in, in the next 10 to 15 years? Is that what we want? And I think that for me is the biggest joke because you got to stop it before it gets to be their normal. Cause it's yeah. once it's their normal and they are the big boys on Sunday. I mean, it's, we're just going to have five hour breakfast and I, I can't take that. So moving on to our next part of Walker joke, and that is Sunday's race. And the inevitable discussion that we have to have on Denny Hamlin's comment about Alex Bowman being
1: a hack. I that's 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 a joke. It's a joke. I mean, the dude's got four wins on the season in a car that, you know, was revamped from what he had in 2020. And I know that he doesn't have the same statistics as his Hedger Motorsports teammates. But I tweeted about it earlier this week. Someone has to suck on a four-car team, a super team. Someone has to be the worst driver. You're not going to sit here and tell me that you're going to have four drivers with, what, 12 wins apiece? Like, come on. Like, he raced you clean. He raced you hard. He got loose. And that's the end of the story. I mean, other than that, he's been running for the front of the field. He's had some crap races. And... Maybe they need some kinks to work out on, but when it comes down to it, you look at Dover. He made sure that his car was at the front of the field when it counted. Pocono, he held off Kyle Larson, who was on a three race win hot streak, going for four in a row. And the only reason why he got past was because of the high downforce package. Just a little, little, little piece of the the nose of, of Larson's car pulled Bowman back, and that was it. Whoever's at the clean air, it's it's it's, it's over. You know, Richmond, Richmond. I mean. He went had and beat Denny Hamlin in in, a, in a, a late race restart with crap tires. And you're going to sit here and tell me he's a hack? I mean, seriously. I, I I understand you're pissed off and you're upset, but the dude's not where he is winning races, no less, as a hack. And I can tell you that much. So, yeah, that's, that's a joke.
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to go joke, like a 50-50 on a joke. Like, I think that the first sentence of what he said was wrong, but – I do think that he did have a little bit of a point, you know, like if he worded it just a little differently than calling him a complete hack, then there's no way it's as controversial. Like, I definitely think that if he said, you know, Hey, he's, you know, he hasn't won a while. He's desperate. You know, he's, he's kind of behind his teammates. He needs to win a race. Like that would have been fine. I think the fact that he said he was a hack that's where kind of went off the rails.
4: Yeah. The hack comment joke. Um, I mean, I get it. He did the moment. You're, Pissed off. That was a little unnecessary, a little far. Um, however, thank you. Um, the, the teammate thing I thought was fairly spot on. Like he said, someone has to suck on a four car team. Um, yeah. I doubt we ever see four of the same or the cars of the same stable in the championship four. Um, that's probably never going to happen. Um, however, that team does have a few kinks to work out, and I see where Denny was kind of getting that. Um, you know, he has four wins, but he's 14th in points. Um, right. You know, that has to be fixed. But he's got four wins. So, I mean, you give and you take. If I'm Alex Bowman, I'd rather have Mm -hmm. four trophies and stickers on my car um, and be where I'm at than get eliminated, say, in the round of eight and still not have a chance for a championship, right? Um, So, I mean, it is what it is. I see where Denny's at. Joke for the hat comment. I'm going to go on the fence for the the teammate thing, though.
0: You know what? I'm going to have to disagree with all of you guys. I'm going to have to go woke. We've been clamoring for for drivers to have personality. We've been clamoring for having a heel in the sport. We finally got one, and everyone boos and complains. Like, I'm sorry, but I love this. I know I'm a Denny Hamlin fan. I might be a bit biased. I don't think that Alex <laughs> Bowman is a hack, but I love that he said that because that just that just okay. is nothing but good for the sport. I mean, the man had a T-shirt for sale before he even got on his plane. That's how fast that comment Made Alex Bowman money. I'm all here for that. This is, is great a, for the sport. See his name, yeah,
4: that Phoenix Hack Bowman. Yeah, here. yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: I I can't yeah, I can't deny drive, the man. fact that I I'm loving this. I, I don't I don't necessarily like that it's my driver. I don't necessarily like that it's to uh, a driver who we've seen kind of work his way to that top Hendrick ride, um, and he's not really ever been in much. I mean Bowman. I mean it's just. He's he's one of those guys that's always there. He's not really spectacular. He doesn't live up to that showman nickname they were trying to give him a couple of years ago. But I mean, it is what it is. If we got if we got these robberies which we've had multiple this year since the playoffs started, I'm down for it. I mean, I can't say that's that's a joke. It's it's 100% woke for me. Moving on though, uh we're going to keep with that incident. Um and this is a tweet that I tweeted out. Uh it was a reply to I think one of Colton's threads. We couldn't find it before the show today so um it disappeared off the face of the internet somehow um but basically i was saying that look at this incident this way if this would have been done in a full season points format alex bowman um would have ruined denny hamlin's season denny would have had to been taken to jail because he'd have beat that dude to death and it would have been a whole lot crazier from a fan standpoint is that a woke or joke statement
1: that's woke. I mean, when you're looking at a, at a full season points, mm-hmm. if you have no context and you say full season points, then it's like, uh, eh. But when you look at what the full season points are right now, I mean, Denny Hamlin's right there on Kyle Larson. Larson's got nine wins this season, and Denny Hamlin has finished outside of the top 15 four times all year long. His yeah. consistency has rewarded him wildly. And if this is a full season points format – Kyle Larson went out and finished, I think, outside of the top 15 at Martinsville. I think he finished 18th at Martinsville. Yeah. And that would have been a massive points day. And if I'm Denny Hamlin, I want to race hard for the win. But at the same time, if you see this guy who he's not in the playoffs Mm. and he has a very real chance of ruining your championship hopes, then I I, I have to back out a little bit. I mean, I, I have to just let him go and maybe give him a nudge, one to go, get him out of the way and try to win it. I can't let him be in the position where he can take me out. In this format that we have right now, Hamlin's locked in. He gets yes. dumped. It sucks. He misses out on a grandfather clock, but he gets the race for a championship next week. If it happens in this in the old format, the Winston Cup format, oh, yeah. I mean, he went out and finished twenty fourth, twenty fifth. So he finished behind Larson, lost tons of tons of points. And that would have been a, a huge, huge blow. And much like
2: much like Alex said, I I, I agree, Denny Hammond would have beat the living shit out of Alex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I'm gonna go woke on that because I do think it would have been pretty ugly had this been a full season format. But I do agree with Keith. If it's full season, you're what? You enter the race like five or six points behind Larson. Larson's running twelfth or wherever he's running, you're in you're battling for the lead with almost nobody behind you. It's just you and Bowman he probably would have backed out, took the second place and gained however many points he would have gained on Larson and, and called it a day. Like, I think it definitely would have changed how he raced in that situation. Um, I'm going to go woke. Here's the problem with
4: playoffs. I know we talk about it quite a bit and I just put out an article on uh, FanFuelMotorsports.com motorsports.com about why you shouldn't watch the finale at Phoenix. Um, go check that over. It's got some, some good stats in there about the ratings. However, the bulk of my argument that I didn't really include in that is the manufactured drama. If you manufacture drama and it's not even like WWE where everything is scripted, you just kind of script the bigger parts of the season um, to have this final four showdown, this game seven moment. um, It gets stale after a while. The thing that makes game seven special is that it's only once in a while we see it. So with this whole Martinsville thing, Every year that Martinsville is that last race before the championship, we're going to see the same shit. We're going to see drivers dumping each other for, you know, wins, that one position, um, et etc. et cetera. Whereas if this was a, a full season format, um, this is maybe a once in every three years kind of thing, once every five years kind of thing. The excitement is amped up. We're going to get more viewers. People are going to be more inclined to watch that championship race because the battle's so close rather than, oh, well, you know, this guy had a great season. He was, you know, uh, he was about to finish third in points. Can't even fight for a championship best he can get his fifth now. You know, sucks to suck team. Um, so I'm really not a fan of that. Um, also, shout out to Jordan. Sick flow, bro. Thank you. I got told – I shaved my beard, and I got told I look like Joe Diffie and Brett
2: Moffat today. So. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Can definitely Brett Moffat. I can see it. Yeah.
0: So I'm going to have to go yeah, – I mean, my statement, of course, I'm going to go woke. Um, I – you guys brought up a lot of good points, but I mean, to me, the biggest one with what you just said Colton is Martinsville is always going to be this batshit crazy as long as it's this this final race. Yeah. Now, I've seen online we we were talking about, well, maybe we should make a short track the final race. No, we shouldn't because it's too much of a crap shoot. Well, oh all all I have to say is Martinsville is going to be a badass race no matter what. It might not have nearly as much dumb shit happen as we get in this points format, but if we had a season-long points format, I feel like it would have it would have weighed more. We would have seen a different race from Denny Hamlin. Maybe even a little bit less emotion, but I mean, we'd be going to into next week with a worth a shit race to watch. And I'm sorry, but Judging by last year, and judging by spring Phoenix, we're probably not going to get that great of a race. And the momentum that Colton just talked about, the, all the all of the focus on this one race, it's gone. I mean, we're, we're we're going to Phoenix, and it just feels so bland. It's like the energy is just taken out of the sails and nothing matters because we know that somebody's going to win a championship, but who really cares? Anyways, uh, we'll move on to the next uh, incident from Sunday's race, and that is the KFB versus Brad Keselowski incident. Now, um, we won't necessarily get into some of the things that were said post-race from Kyle Busch, but I do want to say just in general, the move that Brad Keselowski made coming to the checkered flag, was that a woke or a joke moment?
1: That was a joke moment. Um, Brad Keselowski – he needed to win a race. And he is way, way far back from the race leader, Alex Bowman. And him dumping Kyle Bush does absolutely nothing. And not to mention, Kyle had mentioned it post race. He said, Brad raced me clean all race long. We were going back and forth. We were passing each other. We were, you know, we had a nice respect for, for one another. And given their history, I think for Kyle Bush to admit that is a lot. And for Kyle to then go out and say that Brad doing what he did, tone to the checkered flag, everything that he did, every all the respect that Brad had earned from Kyle Busch was out the window in, in one turn. It, it didn't make any sense to me because Brad Keselowski knew what was up. And if I'm Brad Keselowski's spotter, I'm telling him Martin Jurex Jr. is here. This dude, he's going to make it. He, he needs to win the race. So it's just it it was a dumb move it didn't make any sense harvick's had a lot more um reason to it because it was literally that one spot he needed but for brad that was just a a stupid move
2: yeah i I don't get it either like i'm gonna go joke you know he he's gonna finish third no matter what he's not gonna win the drag race back he's like you know what i'm just putting him in the wall whatever you know that's that's pretty much what he did and after the race, obviously, you saw the 18, like, he turned dead left on him, kind of spun himself out, but I just don't get why why you're putting a guy in the wall and there's no incentive to.
4: Yeah, I agree. You guys hit all the points. There's no reason to do it. You're not going to win the race, um, and that's what you need to advance. Um, just take your finish and go home, get it over with. Um, I am glad, however, that the KFB versus BFK rivalry is back. Um Really oh, yeah. stoked about that. That was something we were missing. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's maybe there's like some sort of agreement in the garage that every year at Martinsville you just dump Kyle Bush in the last lap.
0: Maybe so. Let's see it That's next what year. happened last season with the, well, I mean, Kevin Harvick thing. I I don't know. Um, go, going in and looking at the move itself, obviously I'm going to say it's a joke, but I really want to know what the hell was going on in Brad Keselowski's head. He's leaving the two car at the end of the year. He's trashing the 18 car for no good reason. And he's going to be driving his own equipment next year. So if it gets trashed, it comes out of his pocket. I don't, I don't understand a lick of what happened. Um, So I don't know. Just joke. I, I don't know what to say about <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> this is dumb. <dogs, laughs> <man. laughs> it's one of the stupidest things I think I've ever seen. In a NASCAR race. It, so it I've, seen, no, no, no.
1: Like, there was no I've
0: seen Rick Ware racing for the last couple years. I don't know. I don't, the, I don't get
4: it. Quinn Hauf versus, uh, was that Josh Balicki? Yeah. Yeah. It was Cody was the, Ware.
2: I mean, he was, Cody Ware was dumping his dad's own cars at one point. This year. Yeah. <laughs> that was an, adventure. it's up there. It's up there. It's like, it's not even, around? it's
0: not even what you're going to gain. It's just, it's like, like, why? Why? Yeah. Why? All right, so final one. Um, this one is kind of interesting because we were talking about it uh, pre-show, and and Keith, you brought up some interesting points. Um, what is up with these last few weeks and maybe even the season as a whole and drivers cussing on TV? Is that is that is that woke or joke? Is that something you want to see or not?
3: Um,
1: I'm going to go 50-50. I, I think I'm going to lean more towards joke only because of the TV aspect, but I love seeing emotion emotion from drivers that is the shit that is so damn cool to watch a driver get out of a car whether they win the race or they got dumped and they are just out there man they have so much emotion they're all just built up and these fans they're just i know for a fact that when i'm sitting there and i'm waiting for denny hamlin to come on the tv i'm just like please 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 just lose your shit lose your mind and he did and it was great it was awesome. I mean he gets out of the car and loses it. And on the on the flip side of the coin, I also look at kids who are watching this race and the parents who are wa- like supervising their kids watching this race oh, yeah. like, oh, you dropped the F-bomb. Okay. Yeah. So now you gotta like try to wind it back a little bit. And you know, from the TV aspect, it's you have to tone it down a little bit. When you're in like a, a different scenario where you have like Bob Pockras who is in the background who can censor that kind of stuff, unleash it go for it but when you're on tv uh, it's just it's such a fine fine line um personally i don't think any penalty should come from it but i think if a driver does it enough then yes but showing emotion i I mean i love it i'm a slut for emotion when it comes to these races man it is awesome
2: yeah i'm gonna agree with him i'm woke you know like i'm fine like i'm not a huge fan of guys junking another on the racetrack you know like that's one thing, take your emotions out on the track, but I'm all for it in front of a microphone like that. You're not hurting anybody. Like go have at it have fun.
4: Yeah. a Great way to put it, Keith. Love it. I am a slut for emotion on TV. I'm going to be woke um, because I like seeing the emotion and because the TV as a whole has kind of changed. Um, we're not, I mean, you think back to when Dale Jr. Um, cussed after his Talladega win, he said shit. And you got fined a ton of owner points. You got fined like forty grand for it. Um, But that was also right after the whole Janet Jackson Super Bowl thing. So everyone on TV was a little, you know, kind of standoffish about it. Um, I'm woke for it. TV's changed. Culture's changed. Um, Granted, F-bomb, a little heavy for kids. Um, But, I mean, it is what it is. You can't really – that's the issue with the live broadcast and the emotion of sticking a microphone right in this guy's face as he gets out of the car. You're going to have it.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to have to definitely agree with that um, and say woke. Um, it's interesting that you guys bring up kids, uh, and I might get slaughtered for this, but, I mean, with some of the media that kids are into, you know, listening to songs that their parents listen to, um, all this kind of stuff, it's not like they haven't heard those words before. Emotion is emotion. I think we should yeah. we should let it be. I mean, unless, unless they were talking about, you know, dragging someone across the ground or torturing them or something, like, that's, I mean, I I would draw the line that like, I guess gore or, or something, but like you know, even the f bomb, like these kids have heard that stuff. I mean, kids are not nearly as sheltered as what we were when we were growing up. So, it is what it is. The thing I'm I'm really wanting to question is what happened. Like NBC, I thought you guys had a tape delay of three or four seconds, so you could you know bleep this stuff. What happened? It seems like that that is just we are 100% live sport now and. I, I mean, we've been hearing it even in in-cars pretty much this last half of the season. I, I don't know what to think about that. So, if if I mean, if we're going to say I'm sorry for the language, then you have a way to advert it. Obviously, you don't care, um, and they're just they're just saving their face. Right. Um, what, yeah. I mean, with that being said, though, that's the end of our work with jokes segment. I think we're all pretty warmed up for tonight. So, Keith, time to put you on the spot. It's fan spotlight time. Um, I'm just going go ahead. Uh, oh, we got a comment here. I just want to
4: flash that real quick.
0: Chris Meinberg, I agree. The emotion the drivers are showing is what's drawing football fans like myself that got tired of the fake. So we've started turning into sports like racing. Well, I mean. Good point. Yeah.
4: yeah. I like that. You as don't long get as that we're real. Football, MLB, yeah. any other sport, they're not going to cuss on live TV like that. You uh, know, have, have you I've ever seen
0: a NASCAR driver flop? That is all
2: I have to say.
4: Yeah, well, you and you're see going to see on pit road fights during the burnouts. That was cool as shit.
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely.
4: I've never seen that.
1: That was like
4: that's some Bowman Brighton
1: Gray stuff Night right there. Fights. Yeah, like, I know. Yeah, right? that was cool shit. I like that. That was cool.
0: I really wanted Dana to get out and then to do something. Um, I, 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 actually said to these guys uh in our group message. Um, um, when it was, I don't know if it was Gabe Hart or Lambert that came over and said. Big picture here. Big picture here. I was like, where the fuck was that with 16 laps to go when he got dumped? (laughs) He's going to back off.
4: Yeah, I I always said that if I owned a racetrack, I would fine drivers $500 for fighting in the garage or in the pits. Um, But if you got out and you fought on the front stretch in front of the fans, I'd pay you both 200 bucks.
0: Yeah. (laughs) True promoter right there.
4: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, Keith, your turn to answer the questions. So I'm just going to go out and say it. Who is Keith Merrick?
1: Um, I am a wild NASCAR fan. Um, okay. diehard hard Jimmy Johnson fan. Uh, I got into it from my grandfather. He worked at Lowe's way back in the day. And um, the new driver on the scene was Jimmy Johnson. And I was four years old. And I would go to my grandfather's house on Sundays. He plop me down next to him and I'd be watching the races. And for whatever reason it stuck. Um, I would watch it. I really, I liked hot wheels. I liked cars. So it was like kind of a cool parallel for me. Um, And it wasn't until the 2005 Coke 600 that I was hooked. I remember I watched the last few laps and I watched Jimmy, uh, steal the win away from Bobby Labonte. And that was it. So ever since then, um, I've been watching as much as I possibly can. Um, I used to watch practice and qualifying 24 seven when I was you know, just in school. Same.
0: Um, I think that was all of us.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, it was, it was a hell of a time growing up in, in, in the 2000s and watching all that. Um, and slowly but surely as I got older and I, um, I was able to have a couple jobs and have some money. I fronted all this and I haven't stopped. So, um, yeah, I mean, I love NASCAR. It's my favorite thing in the world. And lately, what I've been doing is I've been taking non-NASCAR vans to races with me, and they are loving it. So, it's, nice. been, it's been pretty cool. So, I mean, in a, in a little nutshell, that's kind of what I am as a NASCAR fan. Um, as a person, um, I am an overnight supervisor at a local Wawa. And um, right now, I'm currently engaged to my fiancé. Have a haven't set a date yet, but, you know, we're... Thank right. you. We are, we are looking forward to getting married at some point. Um, big family guy, big friend guy. Um, and I love the beach. The beach is one of my favorite places outside of the racetrack.
0: All right. That is that is the opposite of me. I, I am a mountains guy. I, I'm, I don't like, like I'm getting the sand between everyone. my toes. Oh. It's interesting you brought up that 2006 Coke 600. Um, I was actually at that race. It was on really? my birthday, and I don't remember a lick of it. No, 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 I, I'm, uh, I wish I could remember it. I mean, uh, no, I had, I've had a head injury, uh, in middle school, so I don't remember that Hmm. race at all, but I've watched it on replay and that finish is iconic. It is one of the best races ever. All right, guys. So I'm going to go ahead and let you guys get into some of your questions for, Keith, and then we'll just keep this okay. thing rolling.
2: All right. So I guess I'll start off here. Um, this is like a super basic question. I do it for everyone. So I want to know like out of all the races you have gone to in person, like is there one that sticks out to you and like maybe why? Like is it because your driver won? The race was good, who knows? Like just just pick a race. Oh, he's glitching radius. He upside down for a second.
1: My grandfather just called me, so, like, everything just, like, (laughs) stopped for a second, so... Yeah. All right, so, was there a race that stands out to me? Is that the
2: question? Yeah, out of all the ones you've attended,
1: like, which one and why? Number number one is the 2016 Spring Dover Race. Um, I went there, it was just me and my mom, and... man keeps calling me um so it was the 2016 spring dover race it was like 60 degrees and there was this bitter cold wind whenever the sun peeked behind the clouds freezing cold day but the racing was awesome i mean every everywhere you looked it was great stuff great racing um and i remember late in the race um jimmy johnson 48 laps to go He was going to lead his 3000th lap of the track. And um, I remember he ends up getting off of pit road first and he's getting ready to restart first. And where I'm sitting on the front stretch, there's like this small little area where you lose the front stretch. So as they're coming off turn four, green flag waves. I see the 48. They hit this point where I can't see the front stretch and I no longer see the 48. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? And the next thing I know, I had my phone up recording this whole crash and I put it down because I was like, oh, my, <laughs> whole, my, my favorite driver just wrecked the entire field. Um, so that was that was great. but then I remember after Edwards got dumped on the backstretch on the next restart, green flag comes out with 40 laps to go. I and about 20,000 fans did not sit. For the rest of the rest of the race it was amazing i remember watching matt kenseth hold off kyle larson who like if matt kenseth was like this kyle larson was like this the whole fucking run cool. and mm-hmm. chase elliott was a driver that i had really started getting into once he got to the cup series and he's duking it out he's fighting i was so 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 stoked and i was a little disappointed when matt kenseth won because i wanted one of them two to win but in hindsight on the drive back home, I was like, fuck, that was awesome. I mean, that is one of my favorite moments ever because that was that was sheer veteran poise by Matt Kenseth. It was amazing to watch. And, I mean, that's number one. And I think a very, very close number two is the 2020 Bristol Night Race.
2: Mm. Oh, yeah. Those are two classics right there.
1: Yeah. So...
4: We talked about it before we got on the stream here. Um, I want you to tell everyone who's watching or who may listen to this in the future, how many tracks have you been to? Because
1: I've been to two. Um, so first track I ever went to was Dover. The next track I went to was Pocono. Um, then Richmond. Then I went to New Hampshire. Then I went to Watkins Glen. Um, I went to Martinsville and I've gone to Bristol and Indianapolis. So eight tracks, man, you've hit like a third of the tracks. (laughs) Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, for the first, like, I don't know, seven, eight years of me going to races, I went to like four total and the last like two years, I've just doubled that because I'm like, fuck it. I have a car. I have money and I like to waste it. So let's go to a racetrack. So yeah, pretty much what it's been the last few years is just going and having new experiences and it's been it's been badass. It's been really really cool.
3: Yeah. yeah. And
0: speaking of new experiences, um Jared our other host who um probably won't be making it tonight, uh he he wanted to ask you um you did go to the Pocono double header. So since since you've been to a good amount of races is Pocono a slept on track, regardless of the racing being good or not, in terms of fan experience and uniqueness, and how was the double header?
1: The double header was my second favorite race we've ever gone to. The only one that tops it is the triple header I did at Dover in 2017 when Jimmy won um, his final race in 2017. Um, the only reason why that race weekend beats Pocono. Is solely because of Jimmy winning his last race. But if you took the sentimental value out of it, Pocono was the greatest fan experience I've ever had in my life. It was phenomenal. I mean, the fan experience was perfect. You walk into this track early in the morning, you can go go to the to, to the fan haulers, you get all your stuff and you hop up to the, to the, your seats and you get to watch the truck race. You sit there for about an hour and you're watching the cup cars roll out of the garage and you watch cup race number one, which by the way, that Larson finish was fucking insane. And I, it had me so excited to come back the next day to watch the Xfinity Series. Um, and Pocono, it hasn't sold the way that it should in the last few years. So when I got into the track on Sunday, I walked to about 12 different locations on the racetrack and got to watch an amazing race and then went, posted up for the cup race and watched the second cup race. And that was fantastic. So overall... It was it was awesome, and I was so excited to renew my tickets 2022, and then NASCAR said, "Yeah, not so fast." So, but outside of that, I mean, I, I spent 200 bucks, and I got two cup races and expanded race and a truck race, and there's really not much more a fan can really ask for. Um, Pocono is an awesome, awesome racetrack. I know it doesn't show well on TV. But when you go to this place and you get to see this two and a half mile triangle, I mean, anywhere you look, it, it, it is just unbelievable. And the, the sights are great being out in you know, the wilderness. And then of course this huge racetrack that you can find a battle anywhere you want. Um, definitely the best fan experience I've ever had. Um, definitely would love to see more double headers because that was, that was damn cool.
2: Yeah. That's the race I wanted to go to next year, actually, because, my dad grew up in I think the eighties watching IndyCar there. And when I got into racing, we went back to Pocono for their like little reunion. IndyCar came back there for the first time in like 30 years or whatever. So that was really cool. And we wanted to go to the doubleheader in NASCAR, like you said. And they're like, no, we're not doing this anymore. It's yeah, you gotta be kidding me. Because it was probably one of the best tickets you could ever buy.
1: Yes. On the schedule
2: right now. Because you yeah. get like ARCA, trucks, Xfinity, two cup races. It was just
1: awesome. Um, however I did go to the the Indianapolis uh, doubleheader this year. Mm -hmm. And if you love multiple forms of racing, do it. It is is a great ticket to be able to go to the IndyCar race and stay there for the Xfinity race on Saturday and then have the whole Cup Series thing go on on Sunday. Uh, And Sunday morning, I got to go there early and watch qualifying. That was awesome. So I I really think the doubleheaders, they really should be something that we – go-to more so in the future. It is an awesome, awesome fan experience, and I think the ticket is perfect.
0: Yeah, I do want to ask you that. So I went to the uh, Daytona, to the Indianapolis 500 twice in 2017 and 2018, and at that track, you can't see shit. Um, (laughs) So how is watching a road course race, you know, at a place where you can't see more than just a couple of corners – you know, like, I mean, is it, is it different? Because I've never experienced that. The only road course I've ever been to was the 24 hours of Daytona this year. And you can see the whole track from the stadium. So, I mean, how, how is that?
1: So um, first road course I ever went to was Watkins Glen. Um And it was interesting, you know, coming from only oval racing where you can see anything on the track at any point. Um, it was kind of a shell shock. Um, so I sat off in turn one, so I see them coming down the front stretch into turn one. They hit the short shoot and head up to the S's and you lose them. And they have several screens in various different viewing areas that you can watch certain camera angles that they have. Um, It's a really cool experience at Watkins Glen because you have so much maneuverability. Um, But for Indianapolis, Indianapolis is huge even for the oval race it's you can barely see shit so it, it i mean the road course was cool um there was two primary viewing areas in the whole track and that was turn one um for the road course and the last turn in um in the road course so oval four and oval one um were the two main viewing points um it really just depended upon where you sat you got to see quite a good bit believe it or not so I think the fan experience overall is really really cool because a road race is so different than an oval race. I mean, different different ways that they attack the racetrack. So I really enjoy going to a road race, and I would absolutely be going back. Um, I thought it was it was awesome. So uh, it's it's different for the first time, but once you have a couple under your belt, it's it's an awesome experience.
2: Mm, this is a comment. Yeah, Um,
0: I mean, I, I hate to bring this up because I, I don't know if uh, it's yeah, going to be yeah. very controversial, but Nathan and I really hated the fact that they got rid of the Brickyard 400 for that race. Yes. <sighs> yeah. Yes. I mean, since you went and saw the road course, live, I mean, did it make you feel better about the event, or would you still have rather seen them run the Oval traditionally for 400 miles?
1: Oval. Oval all the way. Okay. I mean, it's just, it's the prestige of running the Oval. I I mean, I know that the Indianapolis Road Course is an FIA grade one track. I know that it is. It is world-renowned, but there's something about a stock car on, on the Indianapolis oval that you can't beat. It is just, it, I, I know that the racing has sucked the last few years and it has a lot to do with the package. Um, but being at the racetrack, it's just, it's so different. Um, the road race was cool. And I really, I thought about having two races a year there, one on the road course and one on the oval, because the oval is just, it's so prestigious. And I, I've said it a couple times that, it's not a crown jewel anymore. And then I, I thought about it and I'm like, it's still indie. Like, it, it's yeah, still yeah. the greatest racing facility in the world. I mean, it, it's just, it, there's nothing like it. I mean, I remember walking into the place in the infield and I'm, I'm looking at the pagoda. I'm like, holy shit, I'm in indie. <laughs> like, it, 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 it takes you, it takes your breath away. And, and I would have loved to have seen the oval. The road course was cool because I'm at that facility, but. I just know that I would have just been in just complete awe if I watched those cars rip by me on the oval.
0: Yeah, so NASCAR. If you're watching, I'm not the only one that thinks that we should have two Indy races if you're going to run the road course. Oh, so Keith is in agreement. Let's do it. Double header with IndyCar yeah. in the spring, in May, on the road course. Double header with IndyCar in August, on the Brickyard, and them having the Saturday with Xfinity on the road course. It's a win-win for everyone. I mean, yeah,
2: yeah,
0: let's go NASCAR.
2: Yeah, it's a winning idea.
1: Yeah, Uh, that sounds perfect. In my honest opinion, I mean, that would have just been top notch shit for real. Like that would have been so damn cool to have two races at that place. I I don't I mean, look at IndyCar last season. I, I know it was a different set of scenarios with the whole COVID thing. But I mean, they had four races there and it didn't detract from the, the the how special it was, like it's still indie no matter what way you cut it up, and I think having a race on the road course, which was a great ticket with the IndyCar race, and having an oval race there, uh, I think it would be just an awesome all around scenario for NASCAR to have that.
2: Yeah, like I I can't say any anything that would disagree with that. Nate, do you have another one? Uh, yeah. Well, with that being said, I've already asked you, like, what's your favorite race in person? Now I got to ask you another basic one. We know Jimmy Johnson's run a ton of different paint schemes, and you probably have a ton of them in diecast form. But if you just had to pick one paint scheme from his entire career, what's it going to be? Oh, he's ready. All right. Oh, yes, sir. This one.
1: This is his 2007 spring Atlanta win. And I remember first time i watched this thing roll off the truck for practice i was i I fell in love and there has not been a car in any any era of this sport that can top this for me i'm sorry there's nothing this one i mean i have a jimmy case that you guys are actually posted up on right now this Mm -hmm. is top left it is it means that much to me paint scheme is perfect and it looks incredible On the Gen 4. Um, It looked phenomenal. On the COT. And it is a crying shame. That Jimmy Johnson did not get to run that. As the 2018 throwback. And for them to select that. uh, 2012 scheme. I know it was was special for Hendrick. But. Mm -hmm. It sucked. (laughs) Like I'm sorry. That Cobalt car. On his 2018 Camaro. Would have just been chef kiss it would be perfect so out of all the paint schemes jimmy's run that is by far number
2: one i i can't disagree like i don't know which one i would pick but you know if you give me like a top two or three it's definitely in there yeah
4: so i'm a really big local track guy um i I say i have two local tracks so i have the one in town that my dad raced at um that has completely gone to shit and then i have one about 80 miles south of me called Colorado National Speedway. The truck's actually race here in the late nineties. And up until fun fact, Keith, up until the Xfinity race at Daytona and whenever uh, Elliot Sadler and Tyler Reddick almost tied across the line, uh, Colorado National Speedway had the closest finish in NASCAR history. Um, It was like 0.001 seconds. It was, it was nuts. Um, Do you have a local track? Do you go to local races? Have you been
1: to a few of them? Um, what, what's your local scene look like? So my local track is where Martin Jurex Jr. got his start, and that is Wall Stadium. Um, okay. That is about 25 minutes south of me. Um, I don't go to it very often. My first time I ever went to it was 2019. Um, of course, last season was a total scratch. Couldn't go to any of them. Actually, no, I'm lying. I went to one last season. And I tried to go this season, but my new – work position um i'm working overnights so i unfortunately could not get to any of the races that were run during the season um so that was a bummer because i had about two or three planned and then i got the promotion and it was like hey you're not doing this anymore so i was like damn that sucks but um the first race i actually went to at wall speedway i got to see the cousin of martin truex tyler truex go and race there so um that was pretty cool saw jimmy Blewett; he was racing there um Definitely really, really cool place to go and visit. I mean, it's like this high-banked, like, I don't even know. I want to say it's like a 5.8 mile, maybe a little bit less. I think it's less. But it is so damn cool. And uh, that's pretty much the only local track I've gone to so far. The other one that I have is Egypt. That's a dirt track uh, further down yeah. south um, that I've been dying to get to. And I know that Bridgeport Speedway is not far from me, probably like an mm-hmm. hour and 10 minutes.
0: So, That's two pretty big name dirt tracks. You're gonna have to that. you're gonna have to get out yeah. there, man.
3: Yeah, if you get oh, the yeah, chance, we'll I, see you at the race. I, yep. I know
1: that they have some big features out there, and I would love to uh, make my way over to a, a local track of mine. You know, you, you yeah. would think I would have been there by now, but I just I haven't gotten there. Um, my my racing taste was just NASCAR, and mm. it wasn't until probably about like 2016 ish that I started kind of branching out a little bit. Um, started watching a little more F1, a little bit more IndyCar, uh, a little more dirt racing, kept up with some big names um, within the um, the local the local stomping grounds. So I'm slowly branching out to, to watch some more local races because that's some some of the best racing I've watched is, is local stuff.
3: Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, like I said, you got to go, go to those dirt tracks. I'm going to be a massive um, push for anyone to go to a dirt race so much more fun in a NASCAR race. I hate to say it like that because NASCAR is like my bread and butter. I love it, but you have so much more yeah. fun at local racetracks. Yeah. But I do have to say, I did not know that Wall Township was your local track. I don't know if you've ever done this. This might be an, another flop thing, but you have got to go when Formula D is there. If you have never been to a Formula Drift event, it is the best like fan event that you could, you could ask for. Tire Mine Smoke – Sm- the smell you're just covered in rubber and it they have a live dj if 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 you're into music and you're into cars that is just a place where you need to be
1: yeah, yeah. my, I, oh, my aunt saying. went out to a formula drift at wall township and i had no idea they did that shit and yeah. i see these pictures i'm like oh where'd you go she's like wall i was like excuse me i was like that shit's like there
3: and yeah, <laughs>
1: it was so cool to watch videos and clips from it. I was like, no shit, I had no idea this existed.
0: Yeah. Formula D, incredible. Go watch it, man. I mean, you got to. You. We got we got Road Atlanta just a few hours up the road from me. I haven't been there in a while, but one of the one of the best events I've ever been to.
2: Yeah. Man, that's cool. I'll be real. Like it was something that hurts though. You were saying, like, you know how we have all branched out more racing over the years. Like, I've always been into all sorts of racing, but NASCAR was like sort of my favorite for my entire childhood. And then they kind of start going off the rails and I'm like, okay, maybe I need to start watching more IndyCar. Maybe I need to start watching more F1. You know, Maybe I need to do more sports cars. And honestly, I think the more this happens, the more that we're going to get pushed to see local racing because they're going to have to satisfy our our craving for good, authentic racing some way or another to substitute for whatever NASCAR is not going to have.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah, and and I mean, to your point, um, one thing I was here, and we've all heard it is, um, a lot of people say, "Well, I stopped watching when Gordon, when Earnhardt, when Stewart, etc., retired." Um, those folks didn't stop watching racing; they just changed their platform. A lot of those folks, yeah, you can find exactly. them at the local track every Saturday night oh, cheering too, too. for they got Bruce Yackey, Chris Agelston. You know, I mean, all these guys out there. They're still watching racing. They just found a different outlet. And, you know, that, I mean, I just got a private chat here. That does lead in to the fan question that we got from Tanya here. Overall, what changes could NASCAR make to make the sport more enjoyable for the fans and better for the drivers? What do you think?
1: What changes can they make? Um, They can start by listening to the fans. I actually had this thought in my head while I was at work last night. And my thought is, Take this, okay, you have a water bottle company, and their consumer says, I don't like this. I I want you to change it. And you have enough people that say, I want you to change this product. They're the ones that are buying it. And at some point, the water bottle company realizes, shit, the people that we are catering to, they they don't like this. We have to change this. So they go and they make a change. That's what they go ahead and do. And guess what? The consumers say, yes, thank you. You, you. you did exactly what we asked for. And they're gonna continue to buy your product. Now, my issue is, is the fact that when it comes to NASCAR, we are the minimized consumer. We go to the races, we buy the merchandise, and we watch the events. However, the biggest issue that there is are these guys, the sponsors. The sponsors, the manufacturers, everybody that funnels millions of dollars into this industry in one lump sum are the ones that NASCAR listens to, because that's where they get the most money out of. Mm. Why would they listen to us? Why would they listen to me, you, anybody else? For exactly. What? I mean, yeah, we consume the product, but we're not the ones funneling any of the funds in it. Not nearly as much as just one sponsor on a race car i mean it's insane just how much pull they all have i love listening to the tony stewart kyle petty clip where tony stewart he goes and he talks to somebody high up in the sport and he says this is what you have to do this is what you have to change this is how you will make this sport better and somebody that he will not name goes ahead and says That is a complete 180, what we're trying to do. And right there, that's where it is. That's that's where the fine line has no longer been fine. It is a definitive, here's where NASCAR is, here's where you as the fans are. Like, cool, thanks for watching, but these guys make us money. These are the ones that are going to give us millions of dollars, and we're going to listen to them. So I think the biggest thing you have to start doing is listening to the fans. Um, yeah. I know they have this fan council. The fan council is wildly lopsided. And oh, yeah. like, hey, do you like the color purple or the color red? It's like, well, it's kind of a mix of both. What should I choose? It's so, it's, it, it, it's, yeah. no, it's, yep. it's no. Like, and, and these fans that I'm starting to see now, they're like, oh, I love this racing. I love watching these guys go 12 miles an hour and 12 deep, 15 wide. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, is cool, the restarts are badass, awesome. And after the restart, your favorite driver stuck in 36 for the last 19 fucking laps of the race. Shit. You can't pass anybody. This, right.
0: is, this, is, this is, okay, cool. so here's the thing. Keith, you're starting to do what I'm known for, and that's fucking Alex Rance. I fucking love this. I will argue till I'm blue in the fucking face about how NASCAR doesn't understand the point that you just made is very, very wrong. You said that the sponsors put the money into the sport. They make the money from the sponsors secondarily. If the sponsors didn't have people watching the sport, us, the fans, they would not be able to fucking justify spending millions of dollars to be put on TV. And I don't think that NASCAR understands that. I'm on the same side with you about listening to the fans, but Jesus Christ, get with it boys like i, I don't understand like if if, if we don't want to put our money towards the product we're not going to show up there's no faces to show a product to like a, a product placement to a sponsorship to the sponsors can't make money off of, of the product placement so why is the racing product not good and what yeah i, I think more specifically maybe what tanya was asking was what would you want um for uh, your perfect NASCAR. What would you think that bring would bring more fans back? Because I mean, like I said, I can argue to I'm blue in the face that sponsors don't matter if the racing's not good.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I I do believe that Keith had a really good point about the rules package, and it, it's sad to see. Like he mentioned, there are new fans out there that have they almost they're the crowd that NASCAR wanted, and you see them there are kids that were born after Jimmy Johnson won his first championship. Like that, that's like, we're not old people, but we are old compared to these guys. And Colton calls them video game fans. And I've always said that anyone who likes this package will not like this package. If they go to like a go-kart track or drive anything, they are like, we like, if you've ever driven anything like that, it, it's not fun. Like you gotta have something where the drivers can show their ability. And just because they're closer together, it doesn't mean they get to show their ability, and they kind of just choke down. And it's it's crazy now because there are kids young enough that actually like that kind of racing because it's all they've ever known.
1: Yeah, it's 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 rough. It's really difficult. I'm sorry. I'm actually yeah. trying to charge my phone right now, so mm-hmm. it's on like ten fucking percent. And I was like, "Whoa, oh, okay." Yeah. About that. Yeah.
4: You look um, you look fired up. What's your goal, Keith? Before I start. Oh, now we're at the wall. <laughs> Love it. Good content. You're not going to see this at Dirty Mo
1: Media. No. no You're not. Because I, I, would, I would do a lot better at Dirty Mo. Because I do have a yeah. fucking studio. I have a dirty ass room right now.
0: That's d- Dirty Flow Media.
4: Yeah, there we go. <laughs>
1: Goddamn right. Go.
4: While Keith's fixing this stuff, I did want to touch on another comment here. Um, this is from Jacob Smith. He's another local driver. He races Grand American Modifieds at Colorado National Speedway. Um, I should have shouted him out because he used to race go-karts with my buddy Brandon. Cool as shit, dude. And he mm-hmm. looks like Clint Boyer when he puts a helmet on. That's like He looks just like him. He said, less 1.5-mile tracks, more short tracks. Bring back The Rock, North Wilkesboro, et cetera. They're more exciting to watch. 100%. We're all on board with that. No,
0: eh, no, no. Don't say that. Don't say that. No,
4: don't no, say that. Oh, oh, no, I
2: oh that. No. No, I w- no. I would love
0: to have Rockingham and North Wilkesboro back on, but you know I love my bread-and-butter speedways race races. 1.5 mile races are the way that we should be going, and we should make those races matter again. We can't oh, the make them sucks. just it's be. The track's fault. It, it's it's not it, correct. Nathan is correct. It is not the like, track's fault. sucks. Like I love like, my Keith, intermediates. I love my short tracks. Keith, I don't know if you can get us back on track here, bud. But uh, I'm, I'm starting to go off the rails. Let
4: me let me touch on my point here to um, make the sport more enjoyable. You guys hit a ton of points. Um, One thing I would do is I would listen to the drivers more so than the fans, because the drivers are going to know what puts on a good package. Obviously, the drivers are going to have their little their favorites and whatnot because they're the ones driving the cars. Um, But I would listen to the drivers more so than the fans. Tell the drivers what you want, and the drivers will tell you how to get there. Um, We saw that with Denny Hamlin's comments earlier in the year, um, especially with the next gen car when that kind of blew up. Tell the drivers what you want, and they will get you there. Um, Keith, to your point about the Tony Stewart Kyle Petty. Our guy, Nate, here is the one that shared that video on Twitter. I know it he is. Stirred yeah, up, that, that got it liked stirred up a like, ton of talk the in the garage. Like, I know we got noticed.
1: That, that was yeah, great. Like, Blue, like, I yeah. mean, the thing is, is, is you have to listen to the drivers. The drivers are the yeah. ones, they are your entertainers. If you want to become an entertainment world, you need to have entertainers. If you're not going to have drivers that are going to be racing for you and – actually enjoy what they are putting on each and every week what are you doing i mean we've listened to it over and over and over again they want a car that's hard to drive the driver who won the championship in 2019 the guy who wins it all he won the race he won the champion he hoisted the trophy he's like these fucking cars suck they're garbage they are terrible if somebody finished 29th and you like, oh, yeah, these cars suck, whatever, the guy who won it all is looking at you dead in the face and saying, these cars suck, fix it. There's a problem. There is such a humongous divide in between what the sport thinks we're all going to want and what the sport actually needs to be. If you look at the Xfinity Series, the Xfinity Series is the premier series in NASCAR, and I don't want to hear anybody yeah. else tell me otherwise. I know that we have the Cup Series, but the Xfinity Series is the most fun series to watch. These race cars, they have more horsepower than the average Cup car. They have less downforce than the average Cup car. And you put them anywhere on the racetrack, bottom, middle, top, they make passes. They're sliding around. They are not easy cars to drive. And so why is the Cup Series getting a diluted version of this? You're putting these drivers through... All of these ranks, you're going to go from Arca to truck to Xfinity so you can get to the highest pinnacle, the hardest part of the sport, only to have an easier race car to drive. Now you have to start utilizing your team strategy. Oh, let's pit now because they don't have track position. You can't even use your driving ability to say, hey, listen, you do what you want. I believe in you. Go get it. You can't do that anymore. And and I, I don't understand when that happened or why that happened. It's, it's annoying and it's sad because I, I, while I'm glad that the Xfinity Series is getting some very well-needed attention, the fact that the premier, the premier motorsport in America is joke. It's joke. Yeah. I mean, I'm so thankful we had more 750 races than 550 races this year because it showcased driving ability on many different counts, from road courses to short tracks. Darlington like fucking hello Darlington Darlington one of the greatest racetracks ever 2019 and 2020 you were fucking ruined it how yeah and the the best part is is the fact that in 2021 we brought it back to prominence oh yeah You you look at the 2021 Southern 500 what a fucking race that was what a race that was and that brought prestige back to NASCAR back to the Southern 500, back to the drivers wanting to race and win. And so I think the biggest thing that NASCAR needs to do to make this sport better, listen to your entertainers. If you no longer want to be a sport, whatever. If you want to be an entertainment platform, go for it. Listen to your entertainers. And they will give you the best product that you can possibly put on. If you are listening to Joe Schmo, who sits up in a CEO office, who has never been to a NASCAR race in his life, and says, hey, I want this, I want this, and I want this because he has money, you lost us. You lost the sport. But if you listen to a driver like Kyle fucking Bush, and he's telling you these cars suck, and he knows exactly what to do in order to fix this, I, I rest my case.
2: Yeah, and honestly, there was another question that I mentioned about this, and I, I mentioned earlier before we were on the show, and I forgot to bring it up until now. But you know, we, we talk about how NASCAR is a premier form of racing in America, or once was. You know, I'm kind of leaning IndyCar right now, but I, you know, it makes me wonder, like the reputation NASCAR's got right now amongst other circles. Everyone's probably had to go through this before. All of us, you know, we get asked, like, you know, you know, why do you like NASCAR? Right. Like, like, what would, be, what would be your response to someone telling you, oh, why do you like NASCARs just left turns? Because my response has always been, I'm taking them straight to an outdoor go-kart track. I'm wearing them out for an hour or two. And then telling me if it's easy to drive those cars. Because I want to know. Like, everyone's got a response to that. We just have to figure out how to make people take it seriously.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's no longer a, a serious sport. And uh, it's sad, you know, because you look just 10 years ago at the COT. I mean, literally 10 years ago at Atlanta in that fall Atlanta race. I mean, you had two. And and another thing is, is you also need names in this sport. And I know people are trying to make their own names. But you Mm -hmm. had two of the biggest names in this sport going head to head in some of the hardest race cars I've ever seen put on a racetrack. And I mean you would have thought you were watching formula drift. I mean, these dudes were were dead sideways. They were balls to the wall and it was unfucking believable. It was one of the greatest races you can ever ask for. And now you look at a race at Atlanta and you have to hope that you get somebody's draft so you can get close enough to them, get some clean air, because if you don't, you're going to go up into the wall with all the dirty air that you get on the nose. And then you have to restart everything and try all over again for the next 10 laps. Meanwhile, you look at a race like the 2011 Auto Club 500 where Kevin Harvick drafts up to the back of Jimmy Johnson, drives underneath him, and takes the lead away in one foul swoop.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He didn't have to wait nine laps to prepare it. And, right. you know, it's, it, it's, it sucks because I remember, I know you guys remember too, how fun NASCAR used to be. And now right. we're in this diluted version with half the horsepower and double the downforce.
2: Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. And I guess the story about that is I was watching on a family vacation. We had some sort of event in 2017. One of my relatives sees me watching the 2017 Indy 500 on my phone. And he's he's a pilot. He's into all like engineering stuff. He's really into these kind of things. And he's like, you know, why are you watching it? It's just, you know, it's just a bunch of left turns. And I'm like, I'm trying to defend myself. And I'm like, I'm just getting clowned. I'm like, there's no way I'm working out of this. So I'm like, all right, cool. Next time you're in town, let's just go to a go-kart track or something. And we were there for an hour, right? And he's racing like, oh, my God, I'm so worn out, you know. So I'm telling him, like, okay, now imagine this at, you know, 75 or 80 miles an hour. Now you're at the competition carding level. Now imagine this 150 miles an hour. Now you're at club racing. Now imagine doing this at 200 miles an hour. Now you're at NASCAR. And it's like, do you still think anybody could be doing this? And they're like, no, probably not. And ever since then, they're like, this is way more interesting than I thought it would have been. You know, like, there's got to be some ways out there to to let people know that not everyone can drive a race car,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, and the, the thing that you say with that, they're 200 mile an hour, we're not even doing that anymore. Yeah, it sucks. I think to to Keith's, to Keith's uh, point, the yeah, the 550 double down force package is we're not back when he talks about that COT race at Atlanta, when he talks about. You know, even the night races when it wasn't as hot as it was mm-hmm. um, that day between Jimmy Johnson and and um, Jeb Gordon in 2012. I mean, you look at those Cot cars and they were hard to drive and they had a lot of power. And interestingly enough, to Keith's earlier point, he said something about the Xfinity cars being the premier series. Well, I hate to break it to you guys who hated the Cot, but I don't know if you can use your eyes or not, but. The Xfinity car is the COT platform. It just has a composite body on it. So all of you guys who sat there and complained about the COT when we had it and pretty much pushed NASCAR to put what we have on the track now, I mean, that's your fault. I don't know why you like the Xfinity series if you didn't like it when the when the guys in Cup were running it with 100 more horsepower. Um, that's my beef with the fans. I think Keith, maybe you're you're probably gonna say along the same things. I see you shaking your head. I mean, why did we go down the road that we did with Gen Six? I mean, we've we've stunted ourselves with the horsepower, then the double downforce, like you said. Now we've got convoluted playoffs and stages, and those are all things that I feel like my friends and work buddies who used to watch NASCAR I always point to when they don't, is that something that you see in your area being in another part of the country?
1: I mean, the problem is is the fact that we've deviated so far from this sport. Um, I I hate to say it, but probably because of Jimmy Johnson, Um, as much as I love Jimmy, I I think more than half the reason why NASCAR did what they did is because of Jimmy Johnson. Um, You had one guy who was able to just masterclass the whole series for years. And, then they're like, okay, we got to change it up and still somehow, some way Jimmy Johnson managed to find ways to go ahead and, and defeat every car and platform that they gave to him. Um, and I, I really think that they, they were like through this, we want to have parity in this sport and too much of a good thing. is a bad thing. Um, right. One of my favorite things to think about is the 2014 playoffs, the 2014 playoffs was amazing the whole season was just it was perfect high horsepower a nice downforce package and great racing big names you went into this 10 race playoff with all these different rounds and it was exciting and it was just nitty-gritty all the way through and it set up for just this amazing event at homestead and nascar was just they were all in they they, they put all their chips in the basket. They said, this is what we're going to do now. You know, they went to the Gen 6 car because they wanted more of a stock car, which I get. But they just, they kept trying so hard to catch lightning in a bottle. When they caught it once, they caught it twice. They're like, we did it multiple times. We can do it over and over again. We can make a series out of this. And you can't. You cannot, you cannot manifest this. You can't just say, well, we did it once. I'm going to do it again. You can't. There's no way that you can do that. You need to let that happen on its own. I know we touched on it before. I know that we were talking about the Martinsville race and how if this was a full season points, you would have had so much more excitement heading to Phoenix. So much more excitement heading to Phoenix. Instead, now we have the guy who's won nine races on the year, and we have these guys who combined are at seven. So who should win the championship? You know. So it's just like fight to the death. I don't like that. I, I think that we deviated so far from the COT because a lot of like the old heads in the sport, they were just like, oh, uh, like ugly. They're not stock cars. And they were still fast. Fucker. <laughs> 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 Let's try this again. Someone had to send me a fucking message and vibrate my whole phone off. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, Everyone light up. They saw the COT. At the back, they saw the COT as a bad thing. They thought it was ugly, thought it was hideous, and turns out it was one of the best things that ever happened in the sport. And I don't hear anybody say anything different. It was one of the safest cars you've ever driven. And they also kept so much horsepower and a great amount of downforce. I can think of about 25 different races off the top of my head, right here, right now, that were fucking amazing. Incredible events. And NASCAR tried so hard to just, that they wanted game seven moment every week. They wanted to put these stages in and they wanted to have restarts because they knew that was exciting. Like, yeah, it's exciting. Of course it is. Like, that's the whole point is, is when you at least expect a caution, when you least expect a restart, that's when you get up on your feet, whether you're at home, whether you're at the track and you're just waiting for it. But when you have a ticker that says, all right, two laps until a restart, it's like, okay, now we get to watch my favorite driver get shuffled to the back of the field and possibly wreck for what, you know? And I've been saying for the longest time, I love stages. I hate the stage breaks. I think the stages are awesome. Stages are one of the best things NASCAR could have done in this sport because it rewards these drivers who are busting their asses off and it gives them something to race for, not just the last two laps, you have to race your butt off all race long. I love it. I think it's awesome. But I hate that we're trying to manufacture all this drama. You know, I'm, I'm trying to embrace it. I've been posting a little more about it on Twitter about trying to embrace the drama because I know it's not changing anytime soon. I know it's not right. going anywhere. But it's just so hard when I got to watch the 2011 Chase for the Cup. Like, I got to watch two drivers – tie for the championship and that was just you gave them 10 races go at it have fun do what you can do and out of everything they come to a fucking tie like how cool is that and now every race is a tie every every championship race is a tie it's just okay finish finish better than that guy and I, i don't i don't like that you know NASCAR right. has like, listened so heavily to their sponsors, it's just,
2: it's it's changed the sport for worse and it sucks. Yeah, it's like they want, hey, we want 1992 every single year. You know, like all right, cool, right. this is how we're gonna get it.
4: That's exactly it. Um, I got a couple comments here I want to bring up. Um, one of them from Jacob. What do you think about NASCAR doing an open rule book for the All Star race? Teams do whatever they want to the cars, no limits, no like, you know, just run what you brought. I'm a huge (laughs) fan. I I love Run When You brought Heights, my local track. I think it's awesome to see. I mean, it's just Chili Bowl. That's what Chili Bowl is. You run whatever you bring to the track. Um, They have very minimal tech to it. Um, What do you guys – what do you think of that?
1: I think that's awesome. (laughs) I mean, the last few years, I mean, the All-Star Race has been a test session anyway, and only for bad things, you know, for (laughs) having a high downforce package. Let's put holes in the fucking hood. Or let's put the numbers, I don't know, on the rear tire and see them spin. Like, no. If you let these guys, if you let these engineers go and say, fuck it, I know exactly how to make this car go 190 at Bristol. Let's do it. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> do it. We're Come on. Like, I, 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 I want to yeah. see the ingenuity that these guys have. And because I know that these engineers at NASCAR, they are some of the smartest people this side of the Mississippi. I swear to God, they are unfucking believable. And I would love to see these drivers hop into these race cars that are just wildly hard to drive, stupid fast. They're skewed like a motherfucker. I, give me it. I want to see it. I, anything. I, it's just, it's supposed to be fun. And I think that would be really fun. And the NASCAR can find out what they have to outlaw. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I think
2: it's I'm, cool. like, I'm for it, man. It's like a T-Rex car. You know, you want to yeah. see it as you're just like. Hey, we're going to, like, there's no rule book. Just see what happens. Build the fastest part you can. Yep. And nope. if okay. something's okay. that fast, then that's cool. They that can yeah. be in it the next week. But
0: So so I'm going to have to agree with you guys that, that we want, We, we I would want this. I don't know how they're going to be able to do it with the next-gen platform being so, you know, stock because nobody's really making anything anymore. Just a little bit disappointing them. for me. I know uh, Brett Griffin tweeted today about um, you know, his number four point of what happens this weekend is that a bunch of people in NASCAR are going to lose their jobs. Well, I think that's sad. I also remember a 2015 commercial um, with Joey Logano. I can't remember what commercial it was, but it was a shale Penzo car. And that thing had wings like the, the fucking cars movie. Um, oh, yeah. And it that. had boosters coming out the sides and it had a. It had stacks on the front, like fuck it. If that's what they can bring, if it's safe, if it's not gonna kill somebody, let's let's have that shit. You know, they're Go gonna have it. plenty of Gen 6 chassis just sitting out in the in the garage, just you know, that they're probably gonna have to, you know, recirculate to the Xfinity teams. Fuck it. Let them put a you know half a mil into a fucking car and and see wanna, what happens.
4: I wanna see teams putting lead pellets in the frame rails like they did in the eighties. Oh I right. wanna see I mean, I want to see spoilers that lay down when you
2: hit a certain RPM. I want to see yeah. the Harvick window thing at Vegas that year. Oh, you know the 2016 the transformer cars where they would weave after the race because the suspensions would always offset.
3: Yeah. yeah. Shit they like were
2: that be designed to, to bend a certain way to add side force to the car under green.
4: Yeah. Like I want DW nineteen eighty-five blowing the engine as soon as he crosses the line because it's so illegal.
1: <laughs> Honestly. I, I was I was driving back from Virginia the other day and I was listening to the Dale Jr. download with Andy Petrie and he was talking about how he was with Harry Gant at oh, Daytona yeah. and he had this mechanized spoiler yep. where he flicked a button on the radio and the spoiler went from this to that. Mm-hmm. And he just the went original
0: DRS flat system. Flying.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Like I thought that was so cool. I love hearing about the ingenuity from the drive, the, the teams way back when, when they would just they would find a little gray area that NASCAR didn't cover, and they'd be like, "Well, let's exploit it." Like you, people always called Chad Canal a cheater, and that always annoyed me. Not because of, it was Timmy Johnson, but because of the fact that you're gonna sit here and tell me that you wouldn't want your team to push the limit. Yeah. You're gonna sit here and tell me that you wouldn't want your your car to be as close to the line as possible, to make it as fast as possible. I mean, if you have an opportunity to, to take advantage of something, I mean, if NASCAR is not going to police it, then why not? I mean, I'm all for it. I, I think it's really cool that engineers had all this ability to just be so smart and know exactly what NASCAR is not going to find. Like, that is so cool to me. And I, I really, I, I would love to see an all-star race where you got to see the engineers flex their
2: muscle. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm a little scared about next gen just for that. But, um, with that being said, I mean, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, the four of us, I guess really agree on with, or the three of us should, should say with you, um, with NASCAR losing its identity and, and going into these kind of forced drama situations and stuff like that. But with the next-gen car, I mean, is this platform too out of the realm of traditional NASCAR stock cars, being that it's going to be more of a spec car? Like, are you actually excited for it, or are you thinking this is a wrong direction move?
2: This is tough.
1: I think this is a really good start to – kind of scratching away what nascar etched in stone what the gen 6 car did to this sport um and really what they did as a whole to to make this sport what it is today um it's become a gimmick hardcore gimmick and i've seen really cool things when it comes to the gen 6 car listen to the dale jr download the other day and dale he only said so much when he got out of the car he saved the rest of it for the download. And he said the brakes, they are much bigger, so you can go deeper into the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that it's just it, you can put the power down to the car. And that really, that puts a lot back into the driver's hands, where the driver can power up off the exit of the turn, have so much grip, and be able to do something with it, drive down into the turn, and just get so deep before you can hit the brakes. I mean, that's really cool. Um, there's certain things that he said he didn't like. He didn't like how the steering was. Um, <laughs> said he couldn't really steer it all the way. Like you can a cup car now. So it only goes like halfway. So yeah. there's kinks that need to be worked on the firewall. I know it was a big, big issue. Um, I don't know if they've sorted that out or not. Um, and how hot it gets in the car, but are there kinks to work on? Absolutely. This is a brand new race car. I mean, you know I mean? we watched the gen six in 2013, it came out swinging at Daytona in the 500, and it was one of the worst 500s ever. Um, so and you're it, saying
4: that as a Jimmy fan. It was yeah. horrible.
1: I, I mean, it, it, it was the most anxious moment of my life because I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm watching Jimmy Johnson just pace this field, and nobody's making a move because they can't. And you don't know when somebody's going to make a move. It, it, it was just you couldn't do anything. But then as time wore on, especially in the last few years, we've seen some of the best plate racing that this sport's ever seen when it came to the Gen 6 car specifics. Mm -hmm. I think it's been phenomenal what they've been able to do, and they made adjustments. I think the next-gen car in 2022, it is not going to be perfect, and it is Mm -hmm. going to get a lot of shit. It's going to get a lot of hate. It is not going to be liked by everybody. But we're NASCAR fans. What are we going to all agree on? And if you can tell me what it is, go for it. But the thing is, is the next-gen car, I think, is a great great start to getting somewhere where the sport is more enjoyable for the average fan and it can also coincide and coexist with the sponsor's wants and desires because at the end of the day nascar's a business they they love that we're here but they're not going to listen to us so slowly but surely we're seeing things that we like um but I think that the the next gen car is really, really cool and I'm excited for it. I've seen some data and analytics on it. I saw how, um, the diffuser on the back of the car, how it disperses the air. I thought that was really neat how it doesn't just go straight over. It actually twirls to the rear car. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, I I think it's going to be a cheaper car for teams to run. And I think that's going to save a lot of money and help a lot of teams out. Um, I really only see the sport going up from this point. I think we're at one of the lowest points ever in this sports history. So I think having the next gen car come in when it's coming in and having all of the knowledge that we have of what we've had the last couple of years with the schedule changes and what we're trying to get towards it, I think the next gen is really, really cool.
2: Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting. I don't want to say anything early because there's so much still to come, but I do remember Chase Briscoe and Ryan Blank saying two things about the car. They said that it's easier to drive fast because of the bigger brakes, because of the steering response, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's a lot harder to drive on the limit than the current car is. You know, the current car, whilst it is a little bit, uh, the current 750 package car, you know, it's a lot harder to drive fast. But at the same time, there's more wiggle room. You know, it's like you're trying to wrestle a pig that's what stock cars are known for. Yep. And they said with this car, it's more like a road racing car in the sense that, you know, it, it does what the driver wants it to do more, but at the same time, because of that, there's a finer line. And when you go over that line, it's easier to crash, yes. you know, like it might be, just because it's easier to drive doesn't mean it's easier to push hundred percent. You know, there's still going to be guys that not everyone's going to be able to get a hundred percent out of the car because you know, that, that limit is, only attainable by some drivers. So I do think that it'll be more like the Gen 4 in the sense of maybe it's easier to go fast in, but it's not going to be easier to easier to, to get the limit out of, if it makes sense. Yeah.
4: So if you listen to the junior download this week, um, Keith, you kind of hit on a couple points, but he talked about just that, about the limit of the cars. Um, and he said when they changed from the bias ply to the radial tires, there were the same complaints that drivers mm-hmm. – Couldn't find the limit of the car. They had grip one second and were spinning the next. Um, And that was, he attributed mostly to drivers knew what to look for a few years down the road after so many laps and races. Um, They kind of knew what it would feel like when it was about to snap loose as opposed to the bias ply where you had a lot of flex in the sidewalls and you could really, I mean, wheel that thing around, get it sideways. And you had a lot of give in it Um, where I think we're going to have that same thing in the future. I think five, six, seven years from now, you're not going to hear drivers saying that. Um, it just snapped around on me other than mechanical failures or rare circumstances. Um, they're going to find this line. They are still some of, I'm not going to say there are, but they are some of the best stock car drivers in the country. Um, and, and they'll, they'll figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, my biggest fear um, is, is obviously the big tracks. Yeah. I think the road course and short track platform um, is only going to be better. Um, you got to look at, you got to look at, you know, your late models and short track cars like that. I mean, some people have told me, well, they've only got 600 horsepower whatever. The horsepower number, it doesn't necessarily matter, but the thing I'm looking forward to is the independent rear suspension is going to make these cars more drivable. It's going to make it a lot more interesting, um, on putting the power down, setup changes and stuff like that with a little bit different shocks on each of the four corners than we're used to. Um, you know, I we could even see it some of these short tracks if they've got enough power, there's three wheeling it coming out of two and four. Um, I, I'm, I'm down to see more body movement and hope something like that happens. I don't know with these engineers if that's going to happen, but when it comes to the big tracks, the 550 package, the big eight inch spoiler has me terrified because we don't like the package as it is now, and you're essentially just copy pasting it onto this platform, despite the sidewall changes, despite their rear end being symmetrical, despite the fact that we're going to have a diffuser to hopefully get rid of dirty air. I am terrified, and I feel like if it's not at least somewhat good and something that they can band-aid or refine throughout the season, throughout the years, we're going to lose a significant amount of people because you can't go fast at a short track as you can these big, Mile and a half, two mile raceways, and that's to me what NASCAR is all about: going 180 to 200 mile an hour into turn one at these some of these places and having to hit the brakes because you're just going too damn yeah, fast. Yeah, that's awesome, and that's what I'm scared about. We're not going to have that.
2: I'm worried. Yeah, I'm a little worried about the wide open racing. Like I know Chris Bell commented on that. He's like, "This is the direction they want to go in on the big tracks," and that worried me. And but I do think I'm excited for road courses. I'm excited for the other tracks. I think it'll be a different way of driving a stock car because. You know, all the guys are like, you know, you're taking, you're essentially wrestling a pig. If you watch a road race stock car, like those cars are not meant to do that. And they're just wrestling them around. But nowadays you're going to see them. Like these cars are going to be built for that type of track. You're going to see guys have to get on the very edge of what they can do. And it, it applies to anything. Like if you drive something that's not meant to go fast, it's easier to drive, but at the same time, it's easier to not crash. Whereas if you drive something that's meant to go fast, it's going to be a lot easier to go fast, but then when it comes time, hey, you need to get to 100%, you're probably not going to get there. Like This happened to me. i would driven rental cars my whole entire life, and now I test the, the competition car, the 206 car, and it's like, whoa. It's a lot easier in the sense that you don't even have to turn the wheel. It just turns. But when you lose it, there's no saving it. Like You're done. You're not going to save it. Yeah. There's too little of a margin for error, but – Who knows? Like, I think it's going to completely change the way that these cars are driven and the the way that drivers approach it. I mean,
1: I I would like to add one thing is that I know that NASCAR acquired IMSA a couple years ago, Mm. and um, it very much feels like the next gen car mirrors that of an IMSA car. Um, It seems like it will be built for road racing. um, Oh, yeah. Which is, that's cool. I mean, if you're going to have seven road courses on, on the schedule, or six, I think, for next year. Um, then, by all means, you know, more short tracks, gimme it. You know, but when it comes to the intermediate tracks, I am a little bit nervous because mm-hmm. I, I was watching. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys follow Christian Espinoza. Um, he lives yeah. up in the condos at Charlotte, and he gets to watch all the cool shit. I mean, he's, he's a lucky bastard. But um, one thing that I would see is the the oval test for the next gen car, and. You're watching it come off turn four, and it's just so slow. It takes yeah. forever to get from turn four to turn one, <laughs> and it's just wide open through the corner. It doesn't look fast. And I know it's just, it's just a test car, so they're probably not putting everything they have in it. You also haven't had an engineer get to it to, to really maximize it. But watching that, I was like yeah. – i don't like that but for tony stewart Stewart to spin the car out at uh at bowman gray that's cool that i mean it's it's going to be a harder car to drive on the tracks where i really truly believe these stock cars meant to be on and that's short track short tracks give me a little i'm all for short tracks
2: like if if every if the car is theoretically easier to drive quickly then it's going to be harder to get to that limit and i think you're not going to see as many drivers get to where their cars at 100. You're gonna see, guys. They're all struggling to find that 1 because it seems like the way these cars are built, you know, once you step over it, you're not getting it back. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna be interesting. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe that saves the the big intermediate tracks. I mean, I mean that that's that's what I come here for. I come here for 500 mile races. I, I need that to be a thing. I, I would not mm-hmm. care if they put a twin turbo V6 in there and it was pushing a thousand horsepower. Like, I don't care how the car sounds. I don't care how the car looks as long as it's fast and hard to drive. So,
2: yeah, I just want good. I just want, like, I want the racing on the big tracks to be in the hands of the drivers. I don't want it to be just slot cars wide open, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's like I said, I think everyone shares that concern. We've all just talked about it. That's the one thing that I'm really concerned about with this new car. They have to figure out a way to, to please the fans that were here before the slot car racing. Because I know that they wanna, they want a whole generation of fans to like the slot car racing. There's and already there
1: will be. I promise there will be, and they're gonna weed yeah. us all out. I know, out. right? Like, like, I don't want to be people who like the
2: racing. Yeah, like we're gonna be the old people, and the, these kids are going to be like, "You guys had to lift on a mile and a half tracks? What is this?" You know, like I don't, I, I it's sad, but it's funny at the same time. I like, think, I, sure. I hope that if that ever does happen, I really hope
1: that there is a portion of kids that they go back and they watch mm-hmm. Dale Jr.'s 2010 Atlanta qualifying lap. And they're blown yeah. the fuck away that there is a two in front of the other zeros because <laughs>
2: you will never see that ever again. If you're trying to keep going in this direction. Yeah. And I think, right. Like, I, I do think like, if you show them 2018 Chicago Land 10 years from now, you're going to see they're going to be lifting you know, a several hundred yards before they get to the corner, they're going to be out of the gas for like a good portion of the corner and they're never going to be at 100% throttle. They're not going to know
1: floor. the Harvick line in Atlanta. Yeah,
2: they're, they're not, not going to know. know. They're like, up the they're going to look at this line. and they're going to be like, wait a minute. You guys don't go wide open through the corners. You guys have to use a brake pedal. They're like, what is this sorcery? Yeah. Oh, man, like, That's you, you, you're bumming me out here, Nathan. I know, but like. <laughs> Like, we're going to be the get-off-my-lawn crowd. I think. Right. I think
0: we already are, man. There's plenty I'm of people who like these playoffs and all this other shit, man. I'm yeah. tired of it. I'm only 26. I'm not old enough to be I'm the like fucking half your geezer in his, in his rocking chair saying, get off my lawn. Like, I just want talented drivers behind the wheel. I don't want these guys coming up here and wrecking each other because, oh, oh, her dirt NASCAR demolition derby. No, I mean, we're supposed to be – Fans of guys who go out there and manhandle a car like they're riding a fucking bull.
4: To your point, Keith, about the Atlanta and the 200 miles an hour going to the corner, this is one of my my favorite things to mention. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen NASCAR do. Do you guys remember 2019 Spring Talladega when the cars were going too fast so they put the wicker on the spoiler mm-hmm. and it made the cars go faster? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> that was great. They, you know, awesome. I think Newman posted like 203 – or something around there, right, going, you know, around Talladega, and then they put the wicker on, and it was, like, 205, and they
1: were, like, shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm sure that some NASCAR exec was, like, oh, you guys are going really fucking fast. I thought I would slow you down. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, But it when I actually think, believe it or not, when I actually think of Gen 6 plate racing, that is, like, a top three favorite race for me. In terms of the plate racing world, yeah, it was unfucking real. It was so cool. And so give me a wicker. If you're if you're gonna keep putting the the horsepower up, give me a wicker. I don't care. 20. Let's try it at the the small tracks.
0: I mean, uh, if you look at some of the races that they did at Rockingham before they stopped racing there, they did some street stock races there, and we're talking about cars with maybe 300, 400 horsepower with these big ass fucking planks on the on the roof or metal sheet, sheet metal slabs, maybe two and a half feet tall, just poking a, a, a hole in the air and they're drafting around each other like they did in the two thousand one era where they had the wicker bill. So hey, put that on the intermediate tracks. So let's see what happens. Um but Keith, I think um I think we're all in agreement that we loved having you on. It's been a phenomenal show. And fun talking with you. Do you have any questions for us?
1: Oh man. All right. Good one all right, I'm going to start you, Alex. How did you become a Hamlin fan?
0: How did I become a Hamlin fan? Well, obviously, I can pick champions because as a kid, I was a Mark Martin fan. And so um, so growing up, I always loved Mark Martin. Um, he was my fan uh, or my favorite. I was big fan. I think I've got a picture of me sitting in his car um, in one of his show cars somewhere around the house. I, I don't know why I picked Mark Martin. But he was retiring in 2006, and I had to get a new driver because my favorite driver was was leaving. So I was like, "What what's going on? And Denny Hamlin comes off the bat and wins the Budweiser shootout. And from there on, I'm like, this dude just beat the shit out of some veterans. I've never even heard of this guy because I wasn't paying enough attention at Phoenix the previous year for seeing him getting that pole to get in the Budweiser shootout. And I have not been not a fan since. I mean, he went out there, did that, and then he did the best thing ever, and kicked ass and swept Pocono, which is one of my favorite racetracks on a video game. So, I mean, that's how I became a Denny Hamlin fan. I've not not stopped
1: since.
2: There you go. Like, I mean that's cool. All right.
1: Nate. All right. What is your
2: favorite F1 race?
3: oh man oh, Man, he God.
2: did research there we man. go like, <laughs> he knows he knows all of us on twitter we're really active I'm, we're trying to get alex some more following on twitter because he's not it's like you know he's not a frequent poster he's lame no no we, huh? we just need to get him followers like like i'm telling you but let's see um oh man this is tough I would probably get, I'm probably going to have to go with, I know people are like, you know, 2012 Brazil, 2008 Brazil, all that kind of stuff. I think I'm going to go a little bit, a little bit, a little bit off the beaten path with these. Not because my drivers won, but I will say the 2007 European Grand Prix. That was an insane race, like all sorts of mixed conditions. You know, it was really dry at the start. I mean, it poured down to the point where like five or six cars just spun off in turn one and they got stuck. Then the race is dry again. You got the Ferraris leading in the dry, right? They're a little bit quicker. And then the rain comes back again with like 10 or 15 laps to go. And then Alonso starts reeling people in. And with like three or four laps to go, he finally gets around the outside. Like they're banging wheels and stuff. You normally never see that in F1. They both keep going. He wins the race because it's raining. And after the race, they're arguing in Italian. You got a Brazilian in a Spaniard arguing in Italian about, you know, Hey, why did you try to run off the track? Why are you banging into me? And I remember one of the guys is saying like, you know, why are you mad? You won the race. And like, I think it's the funniest thing I've ever seen because it shows you, it's like, you know, these guys do have emotion. Like that's racing. They both wanted to win that race. And I think it was kind of the ultimate test of a driver because you had dry conditions, you had wet conditions and, you know, the moment the rain came in and kind of equalized everybody, you know, the best drivers rose up to the top. And, you know, it's hard to get those races because it's super fun when you do. Like, I, I still think that's my all-time race. That's a good one. I like that. That's great.
4: I didn't know they were arguing in Italian. That's awesome. That's yep. that's funny as shit.
2: <laughs> I was trying to find a video, but there's – it's out there.
1: All right. Colton. Someone hands you a ticket to any race in NASCAR history. Which one are you plopping down for?
3: Mm.
4: My, so I'm a huge Davy Allison fan. He's my all-time favorite driver. So I want to immediately say the 1987 Winston 500, his first win. Uh, I don't know if it was Winston or Diehard or Diehard Die 500. Alex, you'd be the expert on that. Anyway, Davy Allison's first win was my immediate reaction. However. As someone who watched the race live and who goes back and watches it very frequently, I'm actually going to say 2004 Homestead because of the Kurt Busch-Wheel thing. Could you imagine being in the stands and that happens and the amount of absolute fuckery it would play on your mind to watch that points battle and think Kurt's season is over. Wheel goes onto the track, cautions out, championship reset. Who the fuck's going to win it? this spoiled little brat from Las Vegas who's been in the cup series for three seasons. That's going to be my one. If I could go back, I watched it live and it blew my fucking mind. I was like eight years old. If I can go back and be at one race, that's, that's yes. probably the one. That's a good one. I like that.
0: Damn. That's, yeah. Those are really good questions, Keith.
3: Man, so before
0: ready. we sign off, there was a couple of final thoughts that I wanted to get through. First one is let's chat out uh Chip Ganassi. He's been in NASCAR. Yeah. He's been in racing for quite some time. Uh, Phoenix is going to be their last race, so I did want to ask, starting off course with you, Keith and Char, our, our spotlight tonight. What was your favorite or least favorite moment from Chip Ganassi racing? Ooh, that's a good one.
1: I mean, there's a lot of really cool moments and a lot of shit moments I, I think my least favorite moment is probably going to be juan montoya's daytona 500 crash um because that puts him in the worst light in the world and i have spent mm-hmm. years defending this man yeah. because he is one of the greatest racers to ever grace this planet and the fact that you have somebody who's behind his feet oh dude he into a jet right uh, it makes me so fucking mad because this man has won an F1, IndyCar, NASCAR. He's he's all around one of the greatest racers of all time. And if you look mm-hmm. at the 2013 season of Juan Montoya, there were yeah. two races that either a caution didn't come out or he didn't have a three-time champion on his ass. He's winning mm-hmm. the race. And yep. I think that, that is, that's my least favorite. I think my number one favorite Oh, man, my number one favorite. That's got to be tough. Because I'm stuck somewhere between Jamie McMurray and Kyle Larson. And I think if I really had to go for it, I'm saying Jamie Mack. First race with the Chip Ganassi Racing number one car. And one of my
3: favorite paint schemes of all
1: time. Do me. The 2010 Daytona 500. Um, That race was awesome. I mean, if you go back and you look at that race, the cars were dead sideways at Daytona. Um, And Jamie McMurray holding on to win that race. And as I touched on before on the topic of emotion, Jamie Mack is one of the most emotional drivers ever. And to watch him cry in victory lane, it it touched everybody's heart. To watch this kid start off as a backup driver, win a race in his second start, and um get all the way up to the status of winning the Daytona 500 um and then go on to win several other races that season but um yeah that one that's got to be number one I mean that that was just so damn cool for Chip Ganassi
2: yeah I think I agree with you on the one thing because I hate that his car broke because that absolutely killed his reputation among the the rednecks and I, I do think that on that note, I think my favorite Chippenassi moment is probably Sonoma in 2007, because that was Juan Montoya's first NASCAR win, his first season driving anything other than an open-wheel car, and I cannot believe, like, I can't believe the reaction about that, and seeing all the people like, you know, this, everyone knew that this guy's making history, right? You know, that they comment. They comments on it like you know Mario Andretti, AJ Foyt, Dan Gurney those are the only guys to in recent history to have done this to have won well AJ Foyt did not win an F1 but he did win multiple 500s he's participated in F1 races so for him to be one of the three people on earth to have won in all these series it's amazing so I think it's awesome that Ganassi gave him a chance in the first place.
4: I'm going to go. First off, we mentioned Juan Montoya. Keith, you said it. He gets so much shit. We did damn near a whole episode about him, episode 32, Fan Fuel. Um, go back on YouTube. Go through your podcast. Check it out, episode 32. We do a JPM Appreciation Night, basically. Oh, yeah. We all went through our entire favorite JPM moments, and we talked about the jet dryer. It, it was awesome. We We mentioned that exact same thing. He gets way too much shit for something that wasn't his fault. Um, if you go watch, um, one of the documentaries is, uh, the day Daytona prime time, where they yeah. talk about the 2012 500 and the whole documentary, they're showing Juan Montoya over the radio saying, Hey guys, something broke in this car. And then it finally snaps in the worst possible place, hits the jet dryer. I, for my worst moment, I'm, I'm going to go off the beaten path of the jet dryer. I'm going to say 2002 Daytona
3: 500. Oh, is leading.
4: Red flag gets out on live television leading the race right in front of the pace car and starts pulling out his own fender
2: what bonehead like, what, like- <laughs> what a man I don't like my guy just he's like you know what I'm not blowing a tire I don't care what it takes yeah. full send either they're going to they're going to penalize me or they're not yeah he's like I don't care I'm getting out of this car
4: yeah uh best moment I'm also going go to go the 40 car. Keith this is where I thought you were going with your Jamie Mac uh lead up Charlotte, 2002. Jamie McMurray's second career start. Same season, ironically, uh, he gets in the 40 car and wins Charlotte. Holds off Bobby Labonte at the end to win in his second ever Cup Series start. That was that was awesome. Um, when I, I mean, that saved Jamie McMurray's entire career right there. That's why he hung around as long as he did because he could fucking wheel it.
0: All right. Well, we're up to mine, and um, I'm going to throw JPM under the bus again. Uh, but this time, I think it's NASCAR's fault. Um, the 2009 Brickyard 400, the worst oh, moment man. in Chip Ganassi NASCAR oh, racing history. This is bullshit to this day. I guarantee you that man was not speeding. I don't know why NASCAR didn't want the free fucking press from having a guy win the stock car and Indy car race at the Mecca of speed. I don't get it. What are you doing, NASCAR? I'm still salty about it to this day. I remember screaming at the TV. I was in eighth grade or ninth grade. The well, at August, so I'd have been in ninth grade at that point. I was going crazy. I, I, you can ask, you can ask my parents. That day, I was, I was, I was angrier than I've ever been at a NASCAR race up until that point. I can't. That that, that it's still pissing me off to this day. Juan Pablo Montoya should have won the Brickyard 400 in 2009. My best moment, however, is going to be 2019 All-Star Race. Mm. Kyle Larson um, coming out there and and being young money and taking the money when no one had him even on the list for for getting, getting that race done. And even the 2018 race where he raced his way in through the Open. Those two races showed just how much talent he had because in those races I I mean CGR was not a good team those couple of years I mean I know Kyle had the four win season back in those days but God just seeing that guy come out of the thing though, like I this guy is actually talented and as much as I hate him off track that's when he started showing me that he's gonna do something in this sport
2: oh yeah that was I, I also
1: I have to add one little um, honorable mention for Chip Ganassi Racing. And I think, unfortunately, it was shrouded in controversy um, because of who was on the car. But Ross Chastain's career got a kickstart when he went ahead. Ah. He won himself an Xfinity Series race. Ah, He wanted a chance to be in a top ride. He proved it. And now he is going to go be racing for one of the best and hottest up-and-coming teams um, next season with Trackhouse. And if it were not for Chip Ganassi racing, um, allowing him to hop into that car, I really do not think that ever would have happened. And right. so that is an honorable mention. Chip Ganassi absolutely most definitely made a career out of Ross Chastain, and I'm glad that yeah.
2: that happened. He's did with Kyle Larson too because I think – Larson mentioned that he was a TRD development driver and they're like, Hey, we, we can't keep you on because you're not bringing sponsor money. So Chip Ganassi is like, all right, I don't care. This kid's talented. I don't care if he brings him the money. I want him anyways. And look where he is now. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: He's still. Right. Money. Yeah. Here, we're killing it. He, he doesn't, he doesn't
0: need money. He's got the talent. He's got nine wins this year in an unsponsored yeah. car. I mean, yeah, why I not? I mean, you Sometimes, sometimes you're just that good, and even in the, that, uh, in, the, in the sport nowadays, where you need the money, it is what I,
4: it is. I joke that Paul Silva fields a blank white fifty-seven for Larson the Outlaws, is just because the winner's purse pays more than the sponsor would. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. All
0: right. Well, speaking of Kyle Larson, um, and we did say about this being Phoenix the last race for CGR. It's the last race of the season. As much as we may or may not like the format, there are four drivers in this format. And uh, we're going to go around the table. I've assigned everyone a driver. I'm going to take my favorite driver and Denny Hamlin. I'm going to give Keith the number nine car since he's wearing a Chase Elliott Champions shirt. I'm going to give the number 19 to Nathan and the number five to Colton. Why is your driver going to win the race and the championship? I'm going to go ahead and just say it short, sweet, and simple. It's time. Denny Hamlin is in his peak. He is in his prime. He has been doing so for the last two or three seasons. He has nothing to lose at this point. He is off the rails. He has been since Martinsville. He's not tired He's tired of the NASCAR shit. He's tired of these other driver shit. Hands down. He's he's in his own mindset, and I think that he's gotten himself to a place where he can't screw himself up, and that's why he's going to win the championship in Phoenix.
2: Dude, this better. This is going to age like milk. Like I'm a Hamlin fan. I'm like just just don't like we're we're not trying to jinx you. Some- got hey,
0: you defend your you defend your driver. I defended mine. We're going on.
2: I'm a Hamlin fan. I just I know, but but pain. you know what? I, I know.
0: All right, Keith. Why are we going to have a repeat champion with
1: back to back number nine? This one kind of goes over the head um, for some people because we watched Martin Truex Jr. spank the field at the Fall Richmond race. But there was one guy that just managed to get back through the field and have the fastest car of the race. And that was the number nine car. Um, He was in the lead, had a situation on pit road where he ended up getting damage on his car. He Mm -hmm. goes to the back of the field and just barreled through the whole field and finished fourth. And if there was at least a caution, I I think that he would have won that race. Um, Martinsville dominated, absolutely dominated that race. And there is a common theme here. And that is a 750 package on a less than one mile racetrack. And now we're going to a racetrack that fits that bill perfectly. He has finished second to Kyle Larson on more times than I can even count. And I think this nine car, they have started to figure out, listen, we are the champions. We are still the defending champions. And we are a part of the best organization all season long. And regardless of what you say, this nine car is going to be the car that will win the race and win the championship.
2: All right. Well, let's see. You know, I've hyped up Martin Truex ever since the playoffs began. I'm like, this is a guy you need to watch. This is a guy you need to watch. And, you know, looking at it from a statistic standpoint, Hamlin has the best average running position on a 750 oval, which is like a 5.8. This guy is almost always running in the top five. He's led the most laps on 750 ovals. But when it comes to stage three, no driver has had better median lap times in the third stage of a 750 oval than true X. He is consistently the best car at the end of these races. When he gets dialed in, you look at Martinsville in the spring, you look at Phoenix in the spring, you look at, you know, you look at Richmond in the fall too. He didn't have the dominant car in most of those races yet at the third stage, he was untouchable. And you look at practice coming in now and you think, Imagine if this guy could get his car dialed in before the race starts. You know, he might just lead every lap. Who
4: knows? Let me, You guys are all wrong here. Okay. Oh, here you go. Kyle Larson, I'm not even going to mention the fact that he has nine wins this season,
3: which I mean, is, is unheard it. of. Um,
4: <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to talk about is the fact that a Hendrick, is the best organization right now. Um, And the fact that Kyle Larson has something more to prove than most of these other guys. Denny has plenty of Daytona 500 wins. He has all these other achievements. A championship at this point is, I mean, it's just icing on the cake for him. Um, Truex has a championship. He has a bunch of other accolades. Um, You know, we talk about the Coke 600 a lot where he led all but like eight laps. Chase Elliott's the defending champion. He's got him one. Kyle Larson was out of a ride last year. If anyone is going to come into this this race hungry, it's going to be Larson to prove everyone wrong. Um, I think you look for one thing. I think you look at Tech and see if that five car fails Tech twice, he's going to win it. He's going to start in the back. He's going to drive up front, just like we saw Chase Elliott do last year. Kyle Larson's your champion. If it comes down to a late race restart, I know he's willing to hit people out of the way. I know he's willing to door people He's done it before. We saw the Chicagoland race between him and Kyle Busch. I think he's going to be more aggressive than that if it comes down to it, especially at a flat track like Phoenix where you have to get off the gas. You can't just hold it wide open. He's going to do what it takes if he's there at the end, and I think he will be there at the end.
2: This is is interesting. You know, like I'm thinking – there was a comment in here a couple a uh, couple minutes ago from one of the people that's listening. Oh, I and they said, yep. well, Jeff Gordon, they're like, if my car goes through tech, no issues, then we got a problem. I'm probably not going to be quick. So yep. I think I know where you're going with this.
4: That's what I told someone was arguing with me on uh, Twitter the other day. He said, do you really think that Chase Elliott's team purposely failed tech twice to start in the back? Yes, that's exactly what they did. Absolutely, 100%. Show up with a car that's not going to pass tech, fix the right. You show up with 10 illegal things, like we heard Cole Purden say. Hope they only catch eight. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's NASCAR. That's how it goes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's innovation, right? That's just what stage one
4: His team absolutely just trimmed the absolute piss out of that car. They didn't catch everything because that thing was leading by stage one. And it was fast. No one was catching it.
3: Yeah. I think it
4: was a beast. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. didn't find something. Yeah. Well,
0: guys, it's been a really good episode. Thank you so much, Keith, for coming on. It has been an absolute blast. You are just as passionate, if not more passionate than the three of us, and you fit right in. And we would love to have you on sometime later on in the off season or next season. Love to do this again. Is there anyone or anything that you need to shout out before we sign off?
1: Um Only I want to shout out is uh, I hope everybody enjoys the race on, on Sunday. I know that it's been, it's been a a rough few years, but I, I highlighted it on Twitter. I think this year has been awesome and I don't want anybody to detract the fact that this is going to be a great send off. You have the hottest driver, you have the hungriest driver, you have a driver trying to defend himself and you have a driver that. You know, in Martin Truex Jr., that not everybody loves, but yeah. a, I mean, dude is just a beast. He is such a badass, and I really, really love to see any one of those guys win a championship. Um, and I hope everybody enjoys it. I hope there isn't too much toxicity on on the timeline after the, the checker flag falls, but of course, we're all NASCAR fans, so it's probably going to be something. But sure. other yeah. than that, um, I am really happy you guys invited me on here. I've been looking forward to this since last week so it's been super super cool to be on here talking to you guys so um feel free to shoot me a message and get me back on here because i am signing in real quick because this was, this right. was an hell excellent. yeah hell mm-hmm. yeah
0: don't threaten us with a good time um, <laughs> yeah. anyways thanks everyone for watching if you're watching live if you're listening on your favorite uh platform whether that's apple Podcasts, google or spotify thank you Follow us on Twitter or now our new Facebook page at MSM. That's capital F, capital F, capital MSM. Log on to Motorsports.com. Send us an email at FanFuelPodcast at gmail.com. We'll get you some content put on our FanFuelMotorsports.com. We love fan input. We want to see you guys' Pictures from your races, what to do and not to do at your race weekends, and just your opinion pieces about what's going on in the world of motorsports, whether it's at the front door of NASCAR or at your front door at your local track. So, with all that being said, thanks for watching. Thanks again, Keith, for coming on, and we will see you guys next week. All right.